Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. The few, the proud, the Labor Day weekend worship attenders. I like it. I like to see you out there. Um, we believe in radical hospitality here. And so one of the primary things we need to do as we continue to grow, as you've seen in the past Sundays and the Sundays following this one, parking is a major issue, uh, which is uh, ultimately a good thing. But if y'all can park as much as possible on this side of the church, and if you have an SUV or truck and like to off-road, you can off-road into the grassy lot and uh, park over there and save another spot uh, for as many people as possible who need the spots here. Um, we are using a site called Constant Contact to give you every piece of information that we can. We'll also print it for a newsletter to give you once a month. But we are going to give you two emails a week. You know how we used to send an email and then we'd send an email and then maybe, we'd, oh, there was another thing. Let's send another email. Oh, when we forgot something, we're going to send you another email. We're going to really try to limit that as much as possible and send you two, period. Two emails every week. And we can see how often they're open. Do y'all want to know what our open rate is right now? It's about 55%. And our total read rate is about 45%. So we've got a little room to grow to make sure that y'all see that. One of the reasons I'm guessing that a number of people haven't opened it is because it's coming from an entity that looks like spam. So if you look in your promotions folder in your email or you look in your spam folder, look and see if you see an email from one of our church emails letting you know uh, that there's a newsletter for the week. And make sure that you click on it. We've got all kinds of important stuff. We believe in intentional faith development. And we have a new um, venture in that um, realm, which is a women's Bible study on Sunday night. Um, we have a number of our moms are helping with our Sunday night programming. But those who aren't helping are gathering every Sunday, uh, starting on the 11th, starting next Sunday in the um, bridal suite here. Um, on, uh, so if you would like to know more about that, make sure you talk to our secretary, Beth, or Marsha Mays, and they can give you more information about that. Um, we have no programming tonight in any way, shape, or form for anyone because of the weekend, and that kicks back in uh, next week. We believe in extravagant generosity in whatever ways we can give our gifts, and I'll have you notice um, the financial section in our pew. Um, notice how you can give online and give in a recurring gift, and also the season in which we pick our leaders uh, for the next year is coming. Uh, so if you receive an email or a phone call about that, know that we've prayed about it and thought about your talents and skill sets to help us in our church. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this house in which we may come and worship. And we pray for those who are not with us due to traveling. We ask that you bless us, join us at this place, that we can further understand your will for our lives through prayer, song, scripture, and proclamation. Amen. Please stand and join us in our first hymn, number 67.
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. This morning our scripture comes from Psalm 147, verses 1 through 7, and this is on page 981 in your Pew Bible. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but he casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God on the harp. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, throughout human history, there have been instances, some of them short-term, some of them long-term, in which the people have felt great separation from you. From their action or lack of action or from their perception of your lack of action. There's been times when your people have been excluded. There have been times when your people have been without hope. And we're grateful for the instances throughout the Bible in which you reached out to them in every way, shape, or form. Perhaps through people that never saw themselves reaching out to those people. And Lord, as we hear your text today about separation, exclusion, and the loss of hope, we ask that you help us to remember times that we felt that way and to ponder ways in which we can be agents of your mercy. Agents of your proactive, loving grace. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our, our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings, and I also invite you to shift to um, pass the communication, or I'm sorry, the contact folder down so that we can get any form of contact from you that you would like to share with us.
Please be seated. We continue in our series this week of looking at Bishop Willimon's book, Fear of the Other. And we have copies in the back should you need one. We're reading as we go along and helping, it's helping us choose our theme and our scripture and uh, what we do in worship in both services until October 16th. Today we read from Ephesians chapter 2. Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you, want, you who were once far away have been brought nearby by the blood of Christ. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I always think we're at a tremendous disadvantage when we're reading the Bible. If we don't get to look into the notes and where things are, when you say Paul writing a letter to the church in Ephesus to people that we don't know in a place that we don't know, and we, we don't know where any of that is. But the issues he was writing about are very clear and have been around since there have been humans. And I'll give you a sense of the geography. If we want to imagine, if we want to use the mileage in the United States of this story. Imagine Jesus born in Boone, North Carolina. And imagine 85% of his ministry is done around Lake Junaluska. But then he determines that he's going to have to go to Atlanta because that's where the voice needs to be heard even though he's going to be harmed in Atlanta. And then when he goes to Atlanta, he's tried and crucified and risen. Ephesus would be Omaha, Nebraska. And so that is getting further and further and further out. And of course, they don't have the type of media that we have. They don't have the availability. They don't have the newspaper like we have. And so imagine if something happened in Atlanta, Georgia, of which there's five different takes of what happened that weekend. And then those takes traveled all the way across through salesmen and travelers and people resettling all the way to Omaha, Nebraska. How different might that message be? It could be very different. And trying to find unity among churches that might be in Omaha and Dallas and Fort Worth and uh, Starkville and trying to make sure that those churches somehow get on the same page as to what Jesus wanted would be an incredible task of communication. And so Paul is writing this letter to these people who are believers in Christ and trying to understand what does that mean and what are we supposed to do about it. So he really emphasizes things that he wants them to remember. You remember when you were separate from Christ? The teaching, the healing, the serving. You remember when you didn't know anything about that? You were just sort of spinning. Maybe following a God of over here, or a God over here, or maybe a God of the Son, or not really following anyone. You remember when you were excluded from citizenship? You, know, you had no sense of who you are and what community you were in. No sense of security. You could never feel comfortable. He says, you remember when you were without hope? and you were without God. Those people all felt those emotions, but there's something about being in a community, and then there's something about building up a little bit of time in a community, then building up a little leadership in a community, and you forget the things that you were before you joined it. You forget the struggles that you had before you joined it. So he needs to emphasize this for two very important reasons that were true then. They were true way before then, and they're true today. Humans have very short memories, especially of weaknesses that they had before, if they fixed them. And humans are always seeking their own reward if left unchecked. How is this going to benefit me? Or how can I limit the pain that I'm going to feel? Here's a quote, uh, or a quote from the book. Xenophobia, the fear of the unknown, fear of an unknown person, is not only historical, it's biological. 
Neuroscientists can demonstrate how our brains constantly judge whether the events or persons whom we encounter will hurt or help us based on whether they minimize danger or maximize reward. Y'all think your brain's doing all that? You think your brain's churning that hard when you meet a person? Absolutely it is. When you meet a new person, when you meet what so happens endlessly in the life of the church, a person you sort of know, and then when you see a person that you know quite well, whether it be a co-worker, friend, family member, neighbor, and as you encounter that person, as Bishop Willeman studied uh, 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 these findings of neurosurgeons, your brain's thinking, how's this going to benefit me? Is it going to be a good thing by giving me a good thing? Or can I just not have a bad thing by not being around this person? I'm not going to wonder if you know people that when you see them coming, you go, oh, oh no, because of whatever they're going to do, whatever they're going to say, whatever they're not going to do, whatever they're not going to say. So when Jesus started out, he was an unknown from an unknown place or a not well-known place. And most of the people who would have been threatened by him did uh, this first. They ignored him. Who was that? He was a nobody from nowhere saying nothing. They ignored him. Then they sort of found him annoying because he healed on days that he shouldn't and he, eat, he ate with people that he shouldn't have. He said things that they felt like he shouldn't have quite frequently. And so then they were annoyed by him. Then he started to get a pretty large crowd around him. And that crowd started drawing away from some of the other religious entities and they started saying the things he was saying. I forget, uh, this is just now occurring to me, uh, I think it's a sports movie because that's a good bet. <laughs> um, the guy said, oh, it's Hoosiers. He said, uh, you know, there's two types of crazy. The guy who runs out in his yard, screams like a maniac and drives everyone crazy, and then the guy who's my neighbor that does that. Signifying that he was in his space saying and doing crazy things and that he didn't like it. So they went from annoyed to entirely threatened. How do we behave when we're threatened? Not well. How do we behave when we even think we're threatened? Not well. How do our leaders manipulate us when they know that we will misbehave when we are threatened? Not well. So I think it's always important to remember from here forward to be conscious of the fact that your brain is making those choices based on whether somebody can do something for you or not. I went yesterday, um, Katie got, uh, I would say, exhaustive snacks for college football season, but we didn't have any cookies. And the girls wanted some cookies and I thought, well, it's for the children. <laughs> Let me help them out. Let me give them a light. Let me give them a hand. They can't drive. I went to CVS. Uh, right here and I was coming out I was in a good mood and uh, somebody was turning left on 29 they screamed so loud at the person in front of them out their window just they were irate over just turning on a road and there's something that of course is alarming about that but there's something when I'm in a good mood that's kind of humorous about that <laughs> like a person just look like it's not that big a deal I promise but when someone we feel is impeding our way in whatever form it is, in whatever way it is, it's crazy what our brains will cause us to do and to say. So with that in mind, they're not thinking about that back then. But the principle is the same back then. And so Jesus, speaking to people a long way from Jerusalem, says, I need y'all to remember something when you're wondering about these people over here who don't know what they're doing. He says, remember you were separate? You remember you were excluded? Remember you were without hope? Almost like a uh, seventh grader looking at a sixth grader with wide eyes in middle school and saying, you don't know anything. Yeah, okay. It's been about four months since you were in that position. 
Remember you were separate. Remember you were excluded. Remember you were without hope so that you can form your brain to do the right thing. Verse 14 says, For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which He put their death to death, their hostility. That is action-packed. There's a lot of stuff in there. You two groups who thought that you were separate and who thought that one of you had the proper real estate on what God wanted are in fact supposed to be one. In this hostile act that you are putting on me with the cross, I'm going to respond with peace and I'm going to put to death your hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through Him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household. You just think about that instance in which you walked into a space and you felt like you were not in the right space or you were not dressed the right way or you did not have the right words. And if someone came across there and said, you look new, can I help you out? It's a big deal. It's a simple concept. It's a critical, critical thing in the name of God. And that phrase, destroying with peace, is fascinating. I've never noticed that before, before this week. The social elite, the religious elite, the political elite ignored him. Then they were annoyed by him. Then they came with violence towards him because they didn't want him anymore. We, I mean, we've seen violence. What they did to him was about as violent as you could be. He said they destroyed. You know, you use that word, we're thinking about what can we do to destroy those people who are out to threaten us. He said he destroyed with peace. Inclusion. Hope. So if you would remember, and it may have been a while, the time before you felt comfortable in a faith community and you still may not feel comfortable entirely understand what it meant to be felt welcome to be included and to ponder how you can extend that table so we come together and we eat we bless one another but this table extends far beyond this space you'll have this table throughout this week in all sorts of different places. And it will be your direct calling in the name of God to include and to love and to provide hope. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us when we ignore you. Forgive us when we're annoyed by you. Forgive us when we want you to leave. remind us that when we reach out to others we are reaching out to you remind us that at one time we were separate we were excluded and we were foreigners to an amazing covenant that you offer help us to truly acknowledge our shortcomings in our communion liturgy and to acknowledge that everyone around us is reading them as well Help us to truly acknowledge your loving grace that extinguishes them. And bring us to your table with open hands that we may receive your covenant. Amen. If you will turn to a service of word and table on page 12.
teamwork. <laughs> Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done Your will. We have broken Your law. We have rebelled against Your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Public confession in the life of the church is so critical because we acknowledge the ways in which we have struggled. Also critical is the pardon. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. I'm going to call those forward who are serving with us today. And if you'll turn to the great thanksgiving. Be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. This morning, Reverend Nelson Stokes is serving with me. Nelson's one of our new retired clergy that's joined us in our family. He has property up uh, 14 on the Middle Tiger River and likes to drive his tractor around 
the most observant, keen observer and direct speaker I've met outside of Ralph Johnson. Imagine if Ralph was a minister. <laughs> that, would be, uh, that would be Nelson. And I'm so grateful to have you, and thank you for serving with us today. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward to be served are welcome to do so. We serve you by you coming forward at the ushers. Uh, um, leading. And if you're at the point, if you'll come to this point, and if you're at that point, if you'll come to this point, so that you can go back towards the middle. We have gluten-free bread at the corners. Please um, take that if you would like it, and you can um, ask us to keep going because you'll have your bread. And I uh, believe that's it. Choir, if you will come.
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the invitation to your table, for the unity represented in your liturgy, for the acknowledgement of our shortcomings, but for the opportunity of grace and new covenant. Help us extend this table far beyond this worship space throughout this week, that others may know your name. Amen. Please stand as you are able and join us in our final hymn, number 715. Thank you so much to the people who um, help us have this service, who help lead this service, who make it so special. We're grateful for you. I will be gone this week for continuing education. I'm going to the Bishop School of Ministry along with uh, several other ministers in our conference. We have a minister here who will respond to anything you have. If you look on the front of your bulletin, there's a pastoral care emergency number. Please use that number and it goes to the appropriate person every single time. Uh, so please use that. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.